Admit it. You think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. Come on. You're thinking it right now. You may think nobody wants your data. Like, who are you? You're not important, right? We're not important. What difference does it make? You think hackers can't grab your passwords or your credit credit card details. But you'd be wrong. That's right. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your Internet connection unencrypted, you might as well just be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I took action. I protect myself from cyber criminals. I use ExpressVPN. I use it every day, everywhere I go. ExpressVPN is going to secure and anonymize your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Your ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. I go to the app. I just click a button. Boom, it's on. You turn it on with just one click. ExpressVPN is going to give you the ability to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. So for over only $7 a month, you can get the exact same Express VPN protection that I have. Now, how many of you have not used public Wi-Fi on a plane or at a fast food restaurant? Or Come on, tell the truth. Get ExpressVPN. You need it. It's the number one VPN service by Tech Radar. That's how they ranked it, number one. So you can't go wrong. And it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash watch Chad. Yep, you heard me right. ExpressVPN, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash watch Chad. For three months free with a one-year package, visit expressvpn.com slash watchchad to learn more. It is party time, Mom. Welcome back to Studio 22, the Chad Prather Show. We are hanging out here in this freshly air-conditioned room. I, I love I love having air conditioning in this room now. Puppet Master Mark, it's so nice. It's yeah, it it almost feels like you're not even in the same studio anymore. No, like I, I leave the lights on in between tapings because it's not 100 degrees. I know it's, it's amazing. Can really. you imagine how hot it would be now? With oh my gosh, Texas summer. Yeah, how I hot mean, this room would be. We probably wouldn't have a show anymore because we would all be. I'd quit. We wouldn't be alive anymore. So. I may quit anyway. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, thank you for watching this podcast. If you're if you're watching on Facebook, go over to YouTube. People are starting to get it. People are starting to get it a little bit. They're they're seeing. They're like, okay, we'll go to YouTube. And so I've seen the comments. Go over to YouTube, watch it over there. Uh, tell your friends about it. Also, go where podcasts are, are wherever they're distributed, and that's everywhere. So um, go to blazetv.com/slash/humor. Blazetv.com/slash/humor. Yeah, promo code Chad. I'm I'm just thinking out loud at this point in time. Candy, see the queen of the Ethiopians. I feel Hi. like I haven't seen you in forever. It's been a while. It has it's good been a to minute. Have everyone back. Days away, from, just a couple of days away from you feels like an eternity. <laughs> it's just you are the sunshine of my life. Oh, thank you. You really are. Happy to be here. You are you are just a bright shining light in my life, and I'm thankful for you. Aww. We're going to lunch tomorrow. Okay. We're going to talk business. We're going to take over the world, Candice. I, you know, that was just the natural next step. That is the next step. We don't we don't mess around here, the Chad Prather Show. We're gonna have a good time on this podcast. I can't wait to get into this episode, but. Let me remind everybody sitting over in the peanut gallery, we got Party Foul Steve, as always. Look at him looking happy. Yeah, I'm all warm and fuzzy after the whole intro Candace got. 
What do you want me to do? Chop liver over here. You want, you want me to come over there and hug you or something? Yeah, maybe. You are that'd a needy be, man. I'm very be good for needy. The He's a needy man. Needy. Uh, Natalie. Yes, sir. Don't give him what he needs. Do not give him. That man is needy. He will suck your soul right out of you. You give him everything <laughs> he needs. I would suck her soul right out of her. <laughs> Oh, Hot news, Natalie, over there. Time to put up with party files. Howdy. Oh, goodness gracious. Did y'all take your selfie today? Yes. <laughs> I'm posting it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make sure you're following them on social media so you can get their daily selfies. And in the hot seat, I'm excited about this. We're, we're going to go long today. We got. We're going to go long. We may actually turn this into two episodes. We'll see. I'm excited about this. You've watched me do these podcast shorts with Party File Steve. We call them Things Party File Doesn't Know. And typically, I try to ask him some questions from history. Many times, I don't even know if I'm right when I'm calling him wrong. But I think I'm close. I think I'm close. I have got Jeff Capsetta, who is sitting here. Jeff is a World War II historian. Yeah. You can say that. Yeah. And uh, I love it. We sat around last night over at Party Fowl's house. We smoked a cigar, too. And uh, we drank a little. Drink you drank wine. A bottle or two. Yeah, we had a little whiskey. And... Um, Woke up with a headache because I think I wound up. We ran out of the Bushmills, and then I ran out of the Redneck Riviera, and then I was. Then you went home. Then I went home. Party ended. Yeah, party time, mom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> went home, and I, I don't remember much of that. But um, we had a great conversation. Yes, sir. We, we did. had a fun talk. Why is World War II important? Man, it's relevant today as it was when it was current events. Really, uh, never again are we going to see this country come together like we did and what were we involved less than four years and we take on two superpowers on two opposite sides of planet earth and come out victorious on both ends and you know when we're when we're attacked at pearl harbor at the beginning of the war we were ranked 17th militarily in the world Mm -hmm. we went from 17th to number one Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just the guys on the ground it's the entire country coming together at home fighting for one cause and one cause alone, good versus evil, man. That's all it was. Yeah. Good versus evil. That's the thing that I don't think people – it's important to me. You know, I've, I've always been a student or fascinated by at least – but a student of World War One and that era and and what led into World War Two. And I feel like with World War Two, so many people have just disregarded it to the past – and relegated it to something that doesn't matter anymore, but it does. And you're right. And it's a shameful thing when you think about, no, I don't think we could come together now the way they did. Mm. Let's talk, for instance, let's talk about the war bonds for a second. Let's talk about Iwo Jima and that famous picture of those Marines lifting that flag. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Let's talk about that and what that accomplished. Because I know you've seen the movie and all that stuff, but let's talk about the real deal. Right. Well, first we got to realize there were six war bond drives before that one. Mm-hmm. You know that that picture represented the seventh and final war bond for for the uh, for the war. And uh, man, we were running out of money. We were running out of money, and that war was still going. On. I mean, let's face it: we knew Japan sealed their fate on December seventh, nineteen forty-one. There was yeah. no way they were going to keep up with us with our industrial might. Um, and Germany, same thing. It just it, it's going to run out. Uh, so it's just a matter of time, but. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of controversy. There always has been around that picture and, and that flag going up, the second flag. You know, a lot of people don't even realize that. Um, 
people thought the picture was posed mm-hmm. after the fact because of what it turned into. You know, it was such a an incredible, like I said, one seven hundredth of a second can change the world, and and that picture certainly did. Um, but yeah, so the, the and they target, wanted a bigger flag. Right, they, one right. bigger flag. Yeah, they put the a first flag, flag they up. put up. Yeah, and that was great. And then the second one, nobody really paid attention to. Is the flag was already there. We're just putting a bigger one up. Yeah. you know, sending a message. You know, won the end of the battle. You know, that was that was only uh, uh, four days really into the battle, and the, the battle raged for another twenty some thirty days. Yeah. Um, but it was the high ground of that of that uh, of that island, and that was an important target. So, put a flag up and. Yeah, we put a flag on every island we took in the Pacific during World War II. People don't think about that. You know, it wasn't the first time we did it. So that was towards the end of the war. So how important was it? Just another flag going up. Uh, But it was important because of what it represented uh, back home. For some reason, that picture, when we see it, you know, it represented something that people could believe in. And they did. Mm -hmm. And they believed in it by by buying war bonds. And that, that war bond drive, I think, raised twice as much money as their target. Yeah, so that's because they were they were hoping to raise like what seven billion? I, six, yeah, six, I can't seven remember. Billion. They raised like whatever twenty. Whatever it was, it was yeah, crazy, it was incredible, outrageous and number. That's and I mean, not we're today talking numbers. We're talking nineteen forties <laughs> right. America. We're not right. talking today. Exactly. And and you're right because and we were talking about this and I need to look this back up too and somebody could probably correct me but but you know our navy was not strong right. when when we were bombed at Pearl Harbor but it, it by the end of the war it like you said <laughs> it got pretty dang strong. Yeah. And and you have to give credit to, you know, men and women who were involved in that. You know, on the 75th anniversary of D-Day, I posted a picture on Instagram. I, I kind of – sometimes I want to go against the grain, you know, and just put some – and I put pictures of um, of the nurses that were arriving in Normandy. And wow. the, the girls were coming in in their fatigues, you know, and they're coming in to, to work with these – work on these boys. See, that's a part, that's a part of history that people right. just don't realize, right. you know. Talking about talking about that, though, talking about uh, we got into talking about Iwo Jima, but then I I brought up James Bradley's book, Flyboys, you know, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people have seen the Clint Eastwood flags of our fathers. And and I never trust if the movie's accurate. You know, I like to read the books. I read the books and then I watch the movies. Then I'll go from there. Movies are made to be entertaining. Right. You know, some some are good war movies and some are just eh, not so much. But Flyboys was about these pilots who, you know, crashed around Iwo Jima or its sister island, the smaller Chichijima, which the Japanese also held. And just the horrific stuff that went on with these POWs where they were, you talk about good versus evil. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, you know, they'd pour water on a samurai sword and try to slice their head off. And the reason they pour the water on there was so nothing would stick to the blade. And a lot of times it didn't come off in one hack. They had to hit them a couple of times. Yeah. And then, you know, the commander of, of the Japanese army there in Chichijima even resorted to cannibalism because he was trying to, you know, it just it was just tribalistic, horrible stuff. Yeah. And people don't, you know, George Bush, George H.W. Bush, he crash landed there. And had he not been picked up by the submarine that just happened to be there, the boat was like 100 yards away from taking him. Right. And history is changed like, like that, that because of what some would consider luck. Yeah. Luck's got a lot to do with it. Yeah. It really does. I mean, that's a crazy thing. Yeah. The Pacific War, though, and I, and I know people, they pay attention to, to Nazi Germany. They pay right. attention to the invasion of Normandy and Omaha Beach and, and, and those things. But 
How much is the Pacific Theater of that just kind of forgotten? It's, it's kind over, of lost yeah. to history. It's glossed over. It's Pearl Harbor, Iwo Jima, Adam Bomb. Yeah. You know, it, it really, and it's a shame because, I mean, here, here's, I, I don't want to fill this thing up with statistics and oh, numbers. Oh, bring it but, on. You know, but, I love it. And, and, and Party Foul Steve, he's, he's not going to like this. I know, you know, him being a former Marine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and I do have to say, because, you know, I know he gets a bad rap about knowing a whole lot about history. But it was funny. You know, last night I was listening to him. He, he almost word for word, uh, he was telling me about the speech that Abraham Lincoln, uh, when he addressed the nation, about the Germans bombing Pearl Harbor. So the guy knows his stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry about Lincoln that. was looking decrepit in the 40s. <laughs> he really was, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, Bone when you Abraham <laughs> drinking. Uh, when you think of... Uh, when you think of the Pacific, though, we, we, we think of the Marines storming the beach. Yeah. And, and here's the numbers for you. So there were, the, the Marine Corps fielded six divisions during World War II. Uh, the sixth one was actually stood up overseas, uh, and they were strictly in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. The Army, because I'm a soldier, <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to brag a little bit. Uh, the Army fielded 99 divisions, but 20 of them served in the Pacific during World War II. 20 Army divisions against six guys like him, mm-hmm. six divisions of those guys, you know. Uh, not taking anything away that the Marine Corps did, of course, in the Pacific during World War II. That's not what this is about. Um, <laughs> but that's a number that's extremely glossed over. Yeah, you know. Um, so that what, what are the what are, what are twenty Army divisions doing over there? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're taking islands too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's things like that that if you didn't know that, then you probably don't don't know a whole lot about what's going on in the Pacific like we think we do. And, well, uh, and, and we you brought this up last night, and I was fascinated, and I did download the book. I, I downloaded one of the books. Uh, uh, that you, we were talking, you know, just good things to read and started reading it last night. I did do that when I got home. I was laying there in bed and I was, and I, you know, and I was not reading the book anymore. Uh. But, uh, you know, you think of like the, the Nuremberg trials uh-huh. and, and, you know, the Nazi war crimes and stuff like that. That was a very publicized thing where you talk about, oh, you know, hunting Nazis throughout the world who were, you know, hiding out in Argentina and all these things right. and trying to get away from their war crimes. But you don't hear that about the Japanese. You don't you don't hear about Japanese war crimes or, or tribunals like that. Yeah. Why not? Uh well, Y'all are gonna I, love I, this. I don't know if I want to go into that I, too I, much, man. I, it's, I, it's, I do it's, want it's, it, yeah. It's a sore spot, I think, in in American history, and maybe there's a reason we gloss this over. Um yeah, there there absolutely was uh, was a, a genocide uh, happening that, that the Japanese were creating when they started colonizing China in, in the 30s and what they were doing to those Chinese people. Man, golly, if people only knew what they were doing over there um, and, and, and the way they were um, experimenting with killing another human, mm-hmm. just every every possible way you could think of with, with different neurotoxins and, and chemicals and, and, and things like that. And, um, well, that, that may actually be decent medical research. We maybe we're going to make a deal with the devil, and we get the research, and not a single Japanese, uh, you know, officer is tried for a war crime. And that's basically the deal they made. They yeah. said, "You give us the research." You know, how long does a human eyeball twitch after a, they've been beheaded? Right. This kind of gory stuff. Right. They're like, "You give us," and it turns out to be major medical research that they get. Yeah. Like, you do that, and then we'll give you a pass on that. Yeah. Do you know that, Natalie? Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? I'm. I'm here in class, sitting at the back yeah. of the class to not be asked any questions. Thank you very much. Google Unit Seven Thirty One. Mm-hmm. Unit Seven Thirty One, and and you, you, it's and there's numerous books that have been written about this. It is a forgotten piece of American history when it comes to World War Two. 
it is that low point, mm-hmm. that low point of American history that we don't like to admit that this happened, that these things existed, and that we basically were partied to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Candace, did you know about this? I did not know. Yeah, it, it was a, it was atrocious. And I was telling you the story about my friend. We went to we went to the Philippines, and, and he's half Japanese. And we were like, oh, this is going to be interesting because the Filipinos, they still have huge animosity towards the yeah. Japanese for what happened during World War II in that, in that you know, theater of war because of those atrocities. Mm-hmm. It was barbaric. It was. Mm-hmm. And uh, took my friend over there, and you could tell he's Japanese. <laughs> and it, was, it was an interesting little trip. Yeah. Interesting trip. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, and, and then, you, then you hear stories of, of you know, Ship sinking and and the Pacific people don't realize how big the Pacific Ocean is. I right. don't think. Yeah, I mean that's a third of the planet <laughs> right. basically, and and you yeah. know these ships are crossing and and you know they get torpedoed and they sink and mm. now guys are out in the water and there's sharks and there's I mean this this is a horrific thing. You know, there's a lot of stories about those type deals. Yeah, I mean just thinking the logistics. I mean, yeah, you 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 land on an island. We saw an island. Okay, great. Where are their beans, bullets, and band aids coming from? Yeah. You know, it takes a long way for that boat to get it over there and supply these guys. And and, and it, same for the Japanese. Yeah. You know, they didn't really have the upper hand that much when it came to logistics. The ocean's just as big for them as it was for us. Uh, so how do we combat that? Well, we just make more. Yeah. More and more and more and more and more. And yeah. get it over there as, as, as much as we can. It's just a war of attrition at that point, you know. I don't think people realize how isolated places like Hawaii yeah. or Guam. Yeah. You know, these these islands that are out in the Pacific. I mean, they, they're mm-hmm. they're very isolated. And all of those places played, you know, pivotal roles right. in, you know, the Philippines, of course. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of that Pacific theater. Yeah. What about, did you see the movie uh, Thin Red Line? I did. Yeah. What did you think of that in terms of the... I can't remember anything about it. I don't, me either. <laughs> I me was either. really That's why I brought it up. I can't remember anything. I, I remember it was about a guy who went AWOL, basically, yeah. and didn't want to go back yeah. to war. It was a great setting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? That's why I was asking. I was like, because I was sitting there in my head, I was trying to think of good movies. Yeah. But there's one coming out. There's one coming up. Midway. Yes. They're doing a remake of Midway. Yeah. Uh, well, and even not just a remake. They're they're expanding. You know, Midway focused really about uh, those decisions that the top brass made in breaking the code and and and, and what Nimitz had to do as as you know Commander Chief Pacific Fleet. Um, but this, I, I saw the trailer. They're covering Pearl Harbor. Doolittle Raid, and then the climax at Midway. So those first six, seven months, uh, if you don't know anything about the war, you should probably go see this movie yeah. uh, and be educated because we went from, oh boy, you know, the, the, the darkest hour that Sunday morning to turning the tide against a, a very, a, a, like you said, a superior Japanese Navy mm-hmm. uh, to what we had at the time to throw at them. And um, in, in a matter of minutes, Four of the six carriers that were responsible for Pearl Harbor were on the were at the bottom of the drink wow. in, in a matter of minutes uh, during the Battle of Midway. So, yeah. Do you think that was the turning point? It's recognized as the turning point, um, but it can be argued that a few months later, when when we uh, when we invaded Guadalcanal, kind of went on the first offensive on land, and uh, taking that island and being able to not only take it but hold it and use it as a springboard for the island hopping campaign for every island after that um, could also be seen as the turning point. But, I mean, you know, like I said, I think they sealed their fate the yeah. same day they attacked us. So 
maybe that was a turning point. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they should have just left us alone because guess <laughs> yeah. what? We're America and we win. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. That's what we do. We don't. People we don't. don't like to think that we do. People like to say that we don't now, but we do. We do. Still we do. We freaking win. Yeah. What was that phrase we kept using last night? We lay waste. <laughs> we show up and lay waste. Right. We've had so many guests on this podcast, and they're they're warriors. Yeah. You know, they're, we we had the big debate about heroes. What is a hero, uh-huh. and all those things. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> we, it, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy the conversations you can get into over a glass of whiskey in a driveway. But it was, uh, you, you know, you look at MacArthur, who's who says, you know, stands there in Manila and says, "I'll return," mm-hmm. and then they feel abandoned by that. Mm-hmm. You got any thoughts on that? Like the just because we talk about the logistics of it. I mean, it's a there was a lot going on. Right. I uh, my only thought is I'm glad he returned. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I mean that 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 that's a tough one. Yeah. Because uh, he is he is such a controversial uh, leader. He's a controversial part of history. Um, uh, yeah. Did they do the right thing? Well. I, by pulling him out early, well, I think so. Yeah, it was tough for all the other guys that got left there, and you know the the Bataan Death March and and everything. I mean, that's you know that that sucks. Um, yeah. But that's just uh, that's how it is, and that's history. Um, yeah. And that is why we can't forget it. Right. You know, that's the bottom line. You know, we gosh, what, what's the, what's the um, What's the movie about the guy who was the Olympic runner in uh, Oh Unbroken? Unbroken. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I read Unbroken. I mean, that's horrific. Yeah. You know what he went through, and of course, the movie tried to represent that as good as it possibly could. Right. But you, but you think of just the pure suffering, and right. and war, war is an ugly thing, right? You know, right. It, it's it, it. You know, history is defined by man's inhumanity to man. It's, it's happened right. as long as recorded history has been going on. You can go all the way back to Cain killing Abel with a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, so so it's always going to be there. And there's always going to be that, and I think that again, as we've said, if you don't if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Right. And this is one of those things. You know, we're looking at, you know, you're looking at fighting, like you said, two great superpowers on either side of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, and and people don't realize how close things came to that happening here on our soil. Right. I mean, we could have just as easily been. You know, you got German subs off the Atlantic coast. Yeah. You know, you got Japanese subs. I mean, I get all my history from the movie 1941, you know, <laughs> John Belushi, <laughs> where they roll the anti-cannon up there, you know, and put yeah. it in the front yard. <laughs> well, and, and Japanese hit our mainland soil, too, with yeah. the Fumi bombs. Yeah. But you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where was that paper, paper mache bombs, man. They were they were putting them up, and, and the wind stream would catch them, take them across the Pacific, and they were actually I think what they were meant to do was uh, start uh, forest fires up in the Pacific right. Northwest, um, Portland area. <laughs> and, uh, it's still inflamed. <laughs> Portland's still inflamed. Yeah. Uh, so it really wasn't meant to harm people, but it was meant to create you know wildfires in the Pacific Northwest. That's taking our wood you know resources away. Plus now we're actually having to spend resources to not extinguish these forest fires. It was a catastrophic failure, but it did actually. Uh, there were a few. There was a family that was killed by a Fumi bomb. Really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I believe in Washington State, Oregon, one of the somewhere up there. Hmm. Uh, two actually landed in Texas, didn't detonate. No kidding. Yeah, and I think the one there was one that made it to way. yeah, and I think one wow. made it to Michigan was the furthest east. But yeah, look it up. Wow, Google it. Yeah, it's amazing the things <laughs> people don't realize yeah. that are there. Yeah, 
I just blew everybody's mind in the studio. I know. I'm done. If I can spell it, if I can, if I can spell I'm here. My job is done. <laughs> I made everybody Google some weird stuff tonight when they go, oh, this guy, man, where do you learn this stuff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love that though. Those, those are the, those are the aspects of, you know, and there's some really good, there's some really good, um, books. And, and if you're not a reader, there's some really good podcasts out right. there that are talking about, which was the one you were telling me about world war. Oh one man. Was, uh, Dan Carlin's Dan Carlin. Carlin. history. Yeah. yeah. Countdown to Armageddon. It's like seven episodes. I don't know. Each episode's like three and a half weeks long, but you know, you get through it and it's everything you could ever want to know about, about the first world war yeah. uh, and really how catastrophic it was to the human race. Like you're saying, I mean, look at what it did to the, to the people in France. Talking about that last night. I mean, almost an entire generation of boys is wiped out. Yeah, ten million. Jeez, ten million geez. in World War One yeah, in the nation of France. Yeah, which is why they were so easy to conquer and dominate whenever right. Hitler decided to march. Yeah. on them. So they didn't have men to defend. Incredible. It. Yeah, yeah. That's a, and, and like you said, World War Two started in 1918. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it just you know the war to end all wars didn't end anything. It, yeah, it opened the doors for a new, yeah, uglier war. Yeah, yeah. How many people died in World War Two? You know a full number on that? Freaking no, man. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. I, that's why I'm, I'm genuinely Jeez. asking because I don't know. It's it, And I should know. That's, I mean, a lot. Yeah. I know the Russians lost more than any other country. Yeah. Um, well, at that point in time, they were basically just putting them out there as cannon fodder. Yeah. It was like like we were using resources more, 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 more. They were just right. lining men up. Right. And, you know, we talked about this on, on an episode, you know, the Battle of Moscow when the Germans were coming in there. Um, you know, the Germans, their supply train didn't get there. You know, for whatever reason, didn't make it, and yeah. you know it's on it's on the wrong track in the wrong place, and their yeah. wagons are getting bogged down in the mud, and and these Germans are having to push their these things out of the mud and get them unstuck, and then when their trains gets there, the the tracks a different size, yeah. so now they're having to rebuild <laughs> Russian track to get in there, and I stood in the spot where, um, you know, the Russians stopped, yeah. you know, the the Germans, and they're just outside of Moscow, and. Um, you know, in that situation, they, they just, it was just, it was just total, total bloodshed. Yeah. I mean, just absolute waste. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's, that's one of those things where um, we look at, and the reason I asked that question about how many people died in, in World War II, and, and I know somebody will immediately do it and then we'll go, oh yeah, yeah. they'll say knew it. that. Well, we knew that. <laughs> but you look at, and you've been there. You've been, you know, you've been on four hundred combat missions yourself. I mean, it, it's it's you you you've been in the Middle East, and you. It's sad that we've lost anyone right. in that, but nothing compared to what, you know, we talk about a few thousand people that have died in these, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, and things like that. But we're talking millions. Seventy three million. From nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty five. And then what you said, seventy three million. That's what. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Exactly what I said. Yeah. In DC. You were probably sitting over there with a number, weren't you? Huh? <laughs> were you? No. You no. didn't have it? Yeah. Look at Party Foul Steve. Google. Well, Google. You know, but you bring up a good point there because I, I don't think wars should be judged by how many we lose because mm-hmm. um, I saw it firsthand. I remember when we went when we first went over, I think we lost a, a little over 200 in, in Iraq. Uh, and, and I remember I was kind of making a deal in, in, in my truck, in my Humvee. Like, man, I hope we get out of here before we hit 500. And then we hit 500, and we hit like 750. I'm like, man, I hope we get out before we hit 1,000. I remember when that 1,000th KIA happened. Everybody knew his name. And it was like, man, what, what about 999? What about 762? What about 501? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we lost 1,000 soldiers overseas, and it was everybody went berserk back home. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you. 
if we got to lose one, or we got to lose one million for the cause, for what this country means, then that's what has to happen. Yeah. Sorry to say it, um, but yeah. you got to fight for what you believe in, or we wouldn't be here. Yeah. And that is that element of that valor, virtue, if you will, that existed so strongly in mm -hmm. America at the time of World War II. Yeah. These people were lined up. These guys were lined up down the street yeah. to sign up. Yeah. They after Pearl Harbor, they were ready to go. Yeah. You know, this this was we were going to war, and people were everybody was pitching in. I mean, there were drives, there were bonds, uh, war bonds. You know, people were Rosie the Riveter. I mean, right. you got all these things that are yeah. that are we talk about, and but at the same time, and we talked about this a lot already. Uh, you know, in, in personal conversation, back to that hero conversation because. Every show that I do, I take a serious moment. I say America's the greatest country on the planet because we got men and women willing to put that uniform on with the with the purpose and you know of serving and sacrificing and potentially giving their life for our liberty. Um, that's what makes America great. It it is, yeah. and but but it's not. Oh, we feel sorry for you. Signed up. You took the oath. You you raised your hand. You signed up to defend the Constitution, defend America, and people lose their life. That's what that's what they signed up for, and as hard as that is, um, that's the reality. Right? You know that is the reality. And um, well, I don't know. think anybody signs up to lose their life, but yeah. it's a, it's an inherent risk. It is. It's part of the it's job. Built into the if, if if you don't think that's not part of the job, you don't need to be there. Yeah. Maybe it's not for you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's what you're living with, yeah. and I and I you know yeah. I always go further, and I even talk about law enforcement and firefighters right. and stuff like that. You right. know, I think you brought up a great point. In you know, last night you were talking about you said, the, oh, yeah, you know, soldiers soldiers go to war, Marines, sailors, airmen, Coast Guardmen. You know, we all we, we go to war, and uh, people like to tell us that we shouldn't have been there mm. when we get back. And yeah, what I brought up last night is you think about a my dad's retired police officer, twenty five years, man. You know, and. uh if, if a police officer has, for whatever reason, probable cause to pull a vehicle over, maybe they're swerving all over the road, you know, and he pulls a vehicle over, routine traffic stop, and he walks up to the vehicle and the driver puts a bullet in that police officer's head, nobody tells that family well, that police officer shouldn't have been there. A firefighter goes into a burning building and he gets everybody out and the building comes down around him. Nobody says, oh, that firefighter shouldn't have been in that burning building. But how come when you raise your right hand to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and you go to war and unfortunately somebody loses their life, why are people telling their families that their son shouldn't have been there? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Nobody wants to die for their country. We get that. But it's part of it. It comes with the spurs, man. It comes yeah. with the uniform. And, yeah. uh, that's just how it is. Yeah. That's how I feel. People don't like it. That's fine. That's okay. It's okay. That's what we do here. It's party time, Mom. He's here to piss everybody <laughs> yeah. off. Natalie, are you mad? That was deep. I know. So true. But it's true. The logic, and I, I think people have lost that ability to think critically uh, and, and see that logic that's in there. It's hard to think uh, critically when you're complaining all the time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. But those, but those soldiers, those Marines, those airmen, those those sailors, those Coast Guardmen, those are the ones who gave us this great country we live in. Because we, yeah, have you seen what's that? What's that? What's that? I had to stop watching it. It just got ludicrous. But the the man in the high castle. Did you see any of that uh -huh. stuff where it was a it was if we had lost World War Two, 
And so oh. half the country was was occupied by Japan and the other half was occupied by basically it was split at the at the Rocky Mountains. Hmm. The rest was occupied by Germany. Wow. It got a little wonky and weird, but it was an interesting concept yeah. of what that looked like because because now Americans were living as an oppressed people, as a, yeah. as a suppressed people, right. as a defeated people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that carried on into the generations. And, and it's interesting when you think, you know, we live in a country that not only will we bomb the <laughs> of you, but we'll help you rebuild. Yeah. Pretty cool how that works. <laughs> you Pretty know? cool how that works. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's I mean, we you know, and a compassionate country at that. You know, we were talking about this because I was at David Barton's Wall Builders Museum and and he was showing me the actual pamphlets that they flew over and dropped on Hiroshima before they and said, basically, get out of Dodge. Yeah. Something's coming right. that you do not want to be a part of. And so we warned them and said, this this is a deal. Yeah. But at what point in time do you think Japan, because I know the whole, you know, the emperor, divine destiny, you know, they were going to fight to the very last Japanese. Mm-hmm. You know, at what point in time do you think they just... They knew they were defeated. Was it the bomb? Because mm. we talk about that. It was like yeah. they they knew they you know they'd awaken the sleeping tiger. Yeah, yeah. you know sleep, at Pearl Harbor. Giant. Yeah, we we you know we we you know we sleeping giant. We knew that. But at what point in time do you think they looked at each other and said, "When did they start speaking German?" We're screwed. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. That's a good question. I bet you it was different for for all, for all a bunch of the different facets of the, of the Japanese military uh, during World War II. I mean, the Imperial Japanese Army and the Imperial Japanese Navy did not get along. The Imperial General Headquarters was just always in, in, a, in a form of chaos during the war. The Army was trying to run things. The Navy's trying to run things. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different than the way we run our military um, then and now, but... Um, you know, they probably they probably didn't think we were going to sink their aircraft carriers at Midway. Mm-hmm. Bet you they didn't think we were going to do that with a bunch of antiquated, you know, uh, airplanes and you know less experienced pilots. Because you have to remember, yeah, we entered the war. We were, we were late. We were late to that war. Yeah, they were already fighting for years. They'd gone on for a you know. They, yeah. So yeah, they. But um, I don't know. I don't. I, I guess it wasn't after the first bomb, right? Right. <laughs> we had to do it. We had to do, it again. do another one. And why Just Nagasaki? In, uh, well, Nagasaki, I think, was a contingent target. That I, I can't, I can't think of the primary target for that day, but it was, I think it was clouded over. Clouded so over, it was just yeah. like that, man. Yeah. Could, could have been that other city, we'll and, it's, and it's Nagasaki instead. Yeah. yeah. Look, you think it's the right Look. thing? Was it the right thing? It ended the war. It ended the war. Um, I don't know. So uh, if you don't think it was the right thing, I want you to think about this: uh, Purple Hearts that we give out today and have ever since were made for the preparation of the invasion of mainland Japan, November 1st, 1945. Hmm. We expected that many casualties that we're still giving out Purple Hearts. Wow. From World War II. That's interesting. So the war, we still would, we, we would have come out victorious either way because we're America, but we'd have had to lose a lot more boys to do it. Yeah. So that's war. Uh, it's checkers. You don't want to lose all your checkers. You want the other guy to lose all his checkers. Yeah. I'm sorry they had to lose their checkers. But we like ours here in America. Yeah. So these are my checkers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Patton said, you don't, you don't. What was it? You don't win war by 
By dying for your country, By dying yeah, for your you, country, you, you make yeah. the bastard die right. for his. And, and I think uh, Eugene Sledge, a World War II Marine vet, uh, said it best in his book. Uh, you know, paraphrasing, uh, the country's good enough to live and it's good enough to fight for. Mm-hmm. With privilege goes responsibility. Mm-hmm. We have all the privileges we want. Nobody wants a gosh dang responsibility. That's right. And just because we won World War II doesn't mean that that's it. We we brush it off as ancient history. It blends right in with, you know. Thermopylae, Civil War, whatever you name it, yeah. Tripoli. Uh, those are all just words now, and, and history is a blink of an eye, and mm-hmm. it all blends in. But it's it's relevant. It is relevant. Just because we we have it doesn't mean we can't lose it. Yeah. Look at the Roman Empire. Yeah. That's exactly right. And most empires throughout history have only lasted about 200 years. Yeah. And and here we are on borrowed time. And they destroyed time. themselves. They destroyed themselves from the inside for the most part. And that's exact, exactly what Abraham Lincoln said. If we if America dies, it's going to be because it destroyed itself from the inside. And that's, that's a fact. Right. That is a historical fact. Right. And here we are. Here we are, infighting, can't come together. It's right where we started this conversation. You know, that's that last great generation. I mean, those guys that stormed the beach in Normandy, those guys that got on those ships and headed towards Midway, those guys, those to to see, can you imagine how they would respond when they hear this rhetoric today of people entertaining the ideas of socialism and and free stuff? Yeah, they it's, do. There's still a lot of World War II veterans alive, man. They, I know. Uh, we, you and I know a lot of mutual ones, <laughs> yeah. and, and I've had their opinions. Right. You know, I've heard them. They all have the same opinions, they as sure far do. as I've sound. I mean, it's it's crazy. I feel bad for them. I do. I feel bad that they're living to see, yeah. you know, what they did. And uh, any war, man, any war. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget all the wars in between World War II and today. They're all warriors. They are. You know, it's just how we want to spin it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and the rhetoric that, that people like to use. Yeah. So... And we're still at war. What's that? And we're still at war. Still at war. Good. America for, America forgets that. We talked uh, about that last night. Uh, you know, football players are good because they play they play football every gosh dang day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're good at what you do because you, you talk every day. I run my mouth every day. You run your mouth every day and, and you're good at it. <laughs> if you want to be good at war, what do you got to do every day? Mm-hmm. If we're no longer at war, some other country is planning a war against us. And they're going to have the newest, best thing on the battlefield. And they're gonna, and then we're going to get caught unaware again. We've already had that happen to us twice. We can't let it happen again. Yeah. So the American military has got to be training, and you train as you fight. There's bad guys out there, so let's go get them. Yeah. They want nothing more than to destroy America. Right. Nothing more. Right. And 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 here it is. And And again, you know, I don't know that the average person out there today – realizes how much they're hated how much someone wants to destroy them absolutely yeah yeah i worked with a lot of other countries over in iraq man other countries military and yeah i was like oh wow i guess we're the laughing stock of the world yeah. <laughs> you know i was like i had no idea we could we go around thinking we're the best and we are um but whew, yeah you're right you know how the when world you're, when you're the biggest guy on the on the uh, playground yeah. What do you want to do today, Spike? <laughs> <laughs> but sooner or later, a bunch of little guys are going to beat up on that one bully. Yeah, the mouse, down. That, the mouse can't that let roared. Can't get to that point. Yeah, you know the mouse that roared. I mean, yeah. you, you never know. You 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 gotta you gotta guard your six. You gotta guard those weak right. spots. You know, I've always said. Uh, I saw this sign in a farmer's market years ago, and it said, um, "Today's spot is tomorrow's rot." 
you know, and it's talking about on the fruit. It was yep. telling the people working there, you got to pull that out because if you don't, it's gonna this it's gonna rot anyway. There's a spot there, right, right. And I, and it's almost like a cancer that's going on in America these days, where people have they they look at this country that has been made so great. Do we have our flaws? Yeah, of course we do. We've got our sins. We've yeah. got our scars. We've done things wrong, but we got this country that is so great, but yet they're wanting to bring in ideas that are going to fundamentally change it. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me. And, and I mean, I mean, how much injustice does the average person in America, they feel like they have really received in, in the greatest country with the greatest opportunities. Right. And I mean, and, and getting better in regards to opportunities and, and even equality and things like that. Um, you know, we don't live in a country with institutionalized racism. We don't live with institutionalized, you know, hate. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't exist in America mm-hmm. today. And that's a pretty great thing. Unfortunately, people want to stoke those fires and try to keep that alive. They do, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change my America right? or, or how I feel about this country. Um, you know, the, just don't watch the news. <laughs> that would be a just great thing, Just live in a bubble it? like I do, man. I don't know what the heck's going on. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> it really doesn't. I said it 25 years ago. <laughs> I, you know, CNN was on. I remember when Ted Turner had CNN and, and that thing came on. I said, that right there is going to be problematic because mm-hmm. they'll only know how to report bad news because that's what's going to get the viewers. And there's no possible way that you can air something 24-7 like mainstream media does and not bring up the most vile crap of humanity that exists you know we didn't know what war so we were talking last night world war one i'm fascinated by that piece of history because in 1914 humanism was basically the the man-made religion of the day everybody thought that people were inherently good Mm. and and people still they want to argue me and they said people are good i don't care what luke bryan's song says people aren't good (laughs) people aren't good it, it, people do evil things, and they're inherently bad. They they do evil things. Even the Bible says that their feet are swift to run towards evil, and their and their you know their tongues are, you know, it, it's just it's people, they're crazy. But in 1914, they even had a mantra. People would look. They they advised people. They said, look in your mirror every day, and say 20 times in every day in every way, I'm getting better. That was actually philosophical mantra in 1914. Hmm. These guys are singing songs, writing poems, chanting them, singing them as they're marching off to war because they thought they were doing this noble and gallant thing. Hmm. They climb into these trenches. There is chemical warfare. There is just atrocities. That's not broadcast. That's not seen. Like we were talking about Peter Jackson's new documentary that he took that footage uh, um, they, what is it? They will live forever. Um, oh, yeah, they should not grow old. Yeah, they should not grow yeah, old. Thank yeah. you. Uh, where he colorized it, but then brought in people to read their lips because it was silent film. Right. These soldiers Ooh. of World War One to read their lips and then speak in their dialect from Australia, New Zealand, and in places like that. They brought in people from where these guys were from. Yeah. Pretty fascinating stuff. But that wasn't widespread. You didn't see documentation of what was going on in World War One. You know, right. you didn't see that. World War Two, you didn't see a lot of it. You might have the little 
the the I, for lack of better terms, the propaganda films that came on before the Clark Gable movie. Right. You know, hey, across the barley, you know, <laughs> here comes GI Joe. You know, <laughs> across the planet. On the other side of the world, American heroes. Yeah. And so you have you have that kind of thing. Yeah. But those were, that was kind of a propaganda. Let's sure. get war bonds and, and things like that. People weren't seeing the atrocities of war. Right. They weren't seeing people getting beheaded in Chi Chi We didn't want them to. We didn't want them to. Yeah. It wasn't until Vietnam yeah. when all of a sudden people were like, oh, this is rough. Yeah. This is rough. And, of course, you know the anti-Vietnam mm-hmm. sentiment that was going on in America at the time. Hippies. Um, but people, you know, they, you know, they don't see it. They just don't see that inhumanity that exists there. But I'm always fascinated because World War One proved that people aren't good. It was such an atrocious event in human history. Mm-hmm. Horrific. Which, again, basically started in spite of itself with yeah. the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. They did everything they could to screw that assassination attempt up. And again, makes a wrong turn <laughs> <laughs> and catches a bullet from an incompetent assassin. Yeah, and we're at war. Changes a, yeah, it, it, yeah changes you know, it's it's you know, Europe's at war. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. And then and then you know and then you've got the the Indochina wars that are happening in the early '30s and these mm-hmm. things. And, and again, that's just a precursor to what came up in World War II. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. Is Iran our next war? If they need it. What do you think? <laughs> I told you, I live in a bubble, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I really, I don't, I don't have, I don't know enough to to form an opinion, especially not. I think, not I think in we're this a little platform. ways off. I think we're a little uh, ways off before that comes to blows. Um, I think, I think the the onus is on Iran, um, yeah. based on what I'm seeing. Um, I don't, you know. John Bolton has a little bit of a. Uh, penchant for going to war, yeah. you know he he's kind of what he, they call him a warmonger. I mean, but you know, and he's in Trump's ear. He's Trump's got some pretty strong opinions in his ear. Yeah, and they they keep on shooting stuff down, like you know, hundred fifty million dollar drones and mm. these kind of things happen. And there'll be some retaliation that's coming there, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. The CNN um, will be there to yeah. record it happening live. It'll be Trump's fault. Orange man, bad. It'll be Trump's fault. Did you have uh did you have news reporters embedded with you, uh, Jeff? Yeah. Um yeah, we had uh actually had, uh, we we had CNN rolling in our in our truck uh the day of the elections, first democratic elections in Iraq. So that was a, a momentous uh day. Um and uh Tell us the Geraldo Rivera story. Yeah, we we had a uh <laughs> it's so funny. I to this day I have no idea how I got back. <laughs> Uh, so we all um, Baghdad. Yeah, we're we're in Baghdad, and and um, we didn't know who was coming in. You know, we I was I was a sergeant in the army, man. I was nothing, you know. They didn't tell me anything. Go to the LZ and pick somebody up. Okay, you know, yeah. we're sitting there. We waited all day, and finally, two Blackhawks come in, and there's Geraldo Rivera coming through. And this is after he had already gone and done his thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he gets in in, in the truck with uh with a, as a bodyguard for a colonel, you know. And uh, he gets in the colonel's truck, and I'm up on the gun in the truck behind him, and we're cruising all through the green zone, which I think is is just a ludicrous term. It's more of a target for, than anything else. You know, the green zone in Baghdad. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, so we go to all the checkpoints, and then uh, we we start rolling up through uh, through Solder City area. You know, not good places. And um, and I forget there was a uh, there was some groundbreaking something that was going on, and and a little firefight breaks out. And man, he grabs his cameraman, and I guess once he gets some footage. Uh, and, then we, off and then we went the, home. Right. <laughs> Y'all just we left him. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel said, round yeah, him up. Yeah, so, <laughs> and like I said, I mean, maybe th- that was all part of the plan, but yeah. to this guy, was like, oh, I guess we just leave him. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you on the flip side, Geraldo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he made it back. Right. Yeah, Geraldo. apparently he did. What a trip, yeah. man. That is funny. Yeah, but I tell you, man, there was nothing... There was nothing normal about my time in the army, man. I mean, you know, I joined peacetime. Yeah, and uh, I think I was telling Party Five Steve last night. You know, I actually called my recruiter up, like, "Hey, man, I want to join the army." You know, and of course, my recruiter's like, "It's kind of a, is this a joke." <laughs> you know, like, Who is this prank call? <laughs> you know, like, no, 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 for real. You know, and I told him, yeah, I really, I wanted to join the Marines. Um, that was my thing uh, as a kid, and um, you know, my grandfather was a Marine, and my brother was a Marine, and and uh, as kind of, I guess it was my brother's fault why I didn't join. Uh, he was around Desert Storm era mm-hmm. when he went in, and, and when he got back from from boot camp, he had a little yearbook, talked about all the stuff he did, and and uh, I can't swim very good. And I was like, oh, what's this? And he goes, swim training. I was like, huh. Army's looking pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Boots on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, every time people ask me, oh, why'd you you choose the Army? I tell them I'm afraid of heights and I can't swim. So it narrows it down, you know? (laughs) Funny. Um, But, yeah, so I I joined up, and and that's what I wanted to do. And I remember Joe Sarnes laughing, why'd you you join the Army? I want to serve my country. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you went to free education. I didn't go to college until I was like 32. Yeah. I wasn't there for the, for the education. I, I wanted to serve. I love my country. I'm the biggest patriot and just like you, know, just like you man. And uh, about halfway through basic training, September 11th happened, and I didn't know what that meant. I did not know what September 11th was. Uh, we got rounded up at the end of the day. We were, I guess we were out in the field or something, and Joe Sarnes lined us up and said, who's got family in New York or New Jersey? Raised my hand. He goes, you got two minutes to make a phone call. We were bombed or something. We were attacked. So I called my dad, and, you know, he's like, I don't know. You know, some planes hit the building. I don't, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until November that I heard about the, what it really was and what it meant. I mean, I, I knew what it meant to me. It was like, oh, I got to take this stuff serious. We're at war now. <laughs> you yeah. know, it changed everything. Um, but I didn't – I had no idea, you know, what people got to see on TV, watching it live. And, right. and, and I, I'm yeah. glad I didn't see it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that, that set the stage for those four, four very short years uh, that I was in the Army. And it was I – can, I can sum it up with what my colonel said uh, right before we uh, came home from Iraq. He said, boys, he said, you probably don't realize it, but maybe 10 years from now you look back and think this is the most important thing you ever did in your life. And he's absolutely right. You know, I, I tell people I feel like the president of the United States the day after he's no longer president, like, not going to top this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I was 21 years old. Like, all right, everything from here to downhill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I got to serve. I got you know how many generations get to see combat, you know, and yeah. I got to wear the best uniform for the best army for the best country on planet Earth. Now I'm hanging out with Chad Prather. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You, <laughs> you thought, thought it was all second. downhill. You thought it was all, all right. downhill. Who knew there were all these good things that were going to be yeah. coming in life, man. Yeah. Jeff Cobb said, uh, make sure you spell his name right. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. He said that's a made-up name. 
Yeah, it's it's made up, man. The, the Navy misspelled for my great grandfather in like 1907. It's Copzetta. Okay, <laughs> that's what we stuck with. That's it. <laughs> yeah. What was yeah. it? Bef- what was it? Cabaceta. What? I think Cab- yeah. Cabaceta. How do you spell that? <laughs> like, I can't spell that one either. I'll tell you how you spell it. C-O-P-S-E-T-T-A. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to America. Don't That's even worry about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Stamp. But, uh, there yeah. you go. Boom. <laughs> we, we, do, we have, do we have a few more minutes? Because yeah. there's, there's another movie coming out. What is, yeah. There's another movie Let's coming out. Let's talk about out. that. And uh, and I'm in it. Yeah? Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so um, RJ and his beautiful wife, Chelsea, uh, they, uh, they, they directed and produced this movie. This guy wrote a... He wrote the book and and wrote a script for it, and uh, he's super super conservative. Very important that I told you that because he's a mm. big fan. He's a super conservative filmmaker <laughs> uh, out of the Houston area, and and, and man, he, I think the guy's really sitting on the gold mine. It, it's a story. It's it's about patriotism, spiritualism, America, World War II, and dogs. Hmm. Does it get really any better than that? Exactly. You know. So yeah, it's it's about war dogs and how we used some of the different breeds of dogs during World War II and how we use them in combat on the island of Guam, specifically mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's the most human story. Man, when I read the script, I was like, wow. You know, I didn't know much about war dogs. And I told him that when he brought me on board to kind of be in an advisory role before he ever offered me a, you know, an acting role, uh, I was like, boy, I, I don't know much about war dogs in the Pacific. And now I do mm. more than... I ever wanted to know, yeah. <laughs> uh, lots and lots of research and, 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 but what an incredible experience it was, man. Thank you for letting me, giving me the opportunity to talk about it sure. because uh, overnight we had 50, 60 new friends and it was like an extended family Yeah, because everybody was there that they, they, everybody either had strong ties with the military or served in the military and knew how important this was. And it, it didn't matter if you were cast crew, if you were continuity, lighting, whatever, everybody was doing everybody else's job to help out to get this this uh, production to see it through to its entirety and it's yeah. post production now what's the name of it and it's called walking point walking point and uh you can buy the book um and uh, you can find it on amazon rj nevins is the like I said, the director and, and and the author and um he wanted me to personally invite you mm-hmm. on august 17th uh, I can't tell you where because it's a private screening, but to yeah. actually to see it, they, they've rented out a movie theater in Houston, cool, and all the cast and crew and 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 you uh, can join us for a private screening for the first time of this movie in, awesome. in a movie theater. We'll, so tell we'll them, talk more you. about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that uh, thing sorted out. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Tell him next time he makes a movie, I want to be in it too. <laughs> Well, no, I'll, Natalie. I'll have my people talk to your people. We'll see no, Natalie, you can't be in it. <laughs> you just, have to be pretty. We noticed how Jeff was like, he invited you. Yes. You, Chad, nobody else. Well, there's a Somebody reason. We're going to show up. Somebody's got to drive him. Somebody's got to drive him. Somebody's got to blow his nose. Right. Chad I didn't was know what he was going to Plus <laughs> however many. Right. <laughs> yeah, the end of that sentence made a big difference, didn't it? Yes. Walking Point, check it out. Jeff Cobb said it, man. Good for being. Thank you for being on. It's a good time always, man. And uh, we just keep on. We just keep on uh, sipping whiskey, smoking cigars, and yeah, and uh, and making sure we'll I, fight revisionist history. I love these 
shot glasses. I know, right? <laughs> See that? That is awesome. That thing on there, just the chat brain that's showing it's got the bullet in there. Yeah. I don't know if people ever really notice those or not. It's got the bullet embedded in the side yeah, of the glass. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That, that, that shows oh. you uh, that's that's American power at work. It can't that's even right. get through the glass. can't get through the glass. <laughs> I said, you know, people are like, oh, I want to buy one of those. $100. There you go. <laughs> we give them away to our guests. Make sure you get get a couple of them before you get out of here. But, okay. um, yeah. Cheers, brother. Always uh-huh. a pleasure. And uh, you've known Party Foul Steve forever. I've known him since before the party. Yeah. 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 Before the foul. Right. I think the foul was always there. I think yeah. y'all started yeah. the party. He's just perfected yeah. it. Yeah. He's, the foul's been there. Y'all just started the party. Yeah. No, yeah. Steve, he's been a good friend of mine. And and uh, it's nice having him around. He loves flirting with my wife. Yeah. <clears throat> His wife loves flirting with you. That works out. Yeah. 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 That's true. It's kind of a win-win. Like flirt. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Steve is a flirt. Yeah. I tell him, I told him over the weekend we had a show. I said, I told him and Tony, I said, I think y'all try to see who can outdo each other yeah, yeah. when y'all are in public. Like who, yeah, can, out, who can out flirt the other one? Like, That's a like, good relationship. I guess. Have fun. I guess. It's pretty, if, if you're confident in it, they're pretty dang confident in it. So, yeah. Don't bother me. They're weird. <laughs> See, we we were over at the driveway yesterday, Mark. We got Tony. We were sitting out there, and Tony sat out there. Was we got we got Tony all turned on in the driveway, and then Steve got to enjoy the reap the fruits, reap the benefits. Yeah, the benefits. Right. <laughs> Did you blow his nose? Hey, are we still rolling? Party time, Mom. Stay horned. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, for hot news, Natalie. For party foul, Steve. Puppet master Mark and Candice, queen of the Ethiopians, who has now left her chair. She's over there. She's the only one around here who actually works. <laughs> Jeff, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for Thanks talking. For me. Go see the movie, Walking Point. Also, also, read some of these books that are out there. Read educate yourself, okay? Don't don't forget how to read. You know, if you if you right. don't if you don't read, like if let's say you get out of college and you don't read, they the studies have shown that you will actually go back to like an, an eighth grade reading level within the space of like nine months. You need to read. You need to read books. Listen to the books if you don't like to read. Listen to podcasts. I try to, you know, I, I, we try to have fun on this podcast, but I want people to learn something too, or at least take something away, or at least something that you can discuss. You know, we're not we're not always going to be one hundred percent right or accurate, but we got pretty strong opinions on things, and we enjoy doing it. But you know, that's 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 the nature of America. We got thank God for free speech. But get um, on Unit Seven Thirty One. There's a bunch of books out there on that. Study up on that. That's interesting. Uh, the man who flew the Memphis Bell. Mm-hmm. You recommended that one to me. That was a good one. I got that mm-hmm. one. That's another book that you need to get. Read Flyboys. Uh, read Flags of Our Fathers. I, I, they're good books. Uh, Flyboys, to me, was far better, far more interesting read. Um, and a p- little piece of history that a lot of people don't know about, about the the plight of, you know, POWs on Chichi Jima. And, uh, and uh, get... RJ's book as well. Hey, Walking Point, yeah. yeah get Walking Point. Get the yeah, book. Right. Always read the book before you see the movie. Coming to a film festival near you, hopefully you very go. soon. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. I love you guys. We will see you next time.